I told y'all last week that uh, growing up, I was a superhero junkie. I mean, if there was a superhero out there, I knew about him, and, and, and I, I was uh, quick to read the comic book or watch the show that came on. And when I would gather with my friends, I don't know, eight, nine, something like that, we would play superheroes. I always had to be the Flash. I mean, who wouldn't want to be the Flash? He was the fastest man in the world, and he had this cool lightning bolt. I mean, he was so cool. He was awesome. You know, other heroes were strong. Some were super intelligent. There were some that could change shapes. There were some that could fly, but only Flash was fast. He was so fast, he could make time stand still. He was super fast. I wanted to be the Flash. So I thought about preaching my sermon really fast and moved down and, and then stepped down and see if y'all got it. But uh, he was unique. There was nobody like the Flash. Well, let me tell you something. You are unique also. Did you know there's nobody like you in all the world? Some of you are saying, praise God. <laughs> there's nobody like you in all the world. You are special. You are unique. There are things that you can do that nobody else can do. You are indeed super unique. We are created for a purpose. We have significance. We were shaped with significance. Today, we, we continue our, our series on superheroes as we look at you being super unique. Open your Bibles to Romans chapter 12, verses 4 through 5. Just a couple of verses that use as a springboard as we talk about you, how special you are and how unique you are and how God has uniquely shaped you to be a part of what He's doing in this world. Paul writes in Romans chapter 12, verses 4 through 5, these words. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Paul's talking about the body here. He's talking about the church. He says it's where each one of us find our meaning. It's each one of us find our significance within the body of Christ. That's where we find our uniqueness. We say, God, we find ourselves the way God fashioned us to be. He said, we're all part of the same body, but we're all unique. We all are part of the same body, but we are endowed with a divine capacity that is uniquely designed by God. Some of us like to think that all we ought to do in life is to go through passively, and at the end of our life say, man, I didn't mess up. I made it okay. But there's more to this life than trying to not mess up. There's more that God has planned for you. God wants us to take hold of life. He wants to inject in this world His love, His life, and His hope. That's what he wants us to do. That's why he left us here. And he designed us the way we are. Somebody once said this, the best way to predict the future is to create it. Isn't that so true? The best way to predict the future is to create it. When your life is filled with vision, and your life is filled with purpose, and when you engage life, it takes everything you have to make it happen. Sometimes we've, we've misunderstood what it means to be a Christian. Well, we think what it means to be a Christian is don't do this and don't do that. 
But listen, life is more than just not doing certain things. God says there's things we should be doing. There's things that we're supposed to be doing because God has uniquely shaped us to be involved in this world in which he's left us. I read a book by Erwin McManus, and in it he said this, Sin is what happens when we have too much time in our hands and too little purpose in our lives. Then he says, sin fills a vacuum that is not even supposed to be there. So what we do is we go out there and we begin to fill the world with all these things because we have too much time on our hand. We're not supposed to be empty. Our life is supposed to be satisfied. It's supposed to be filled with something. We are to be engaged. We are to be involved in the world. If you have too much time on your hand, you know what it means? It means you don't have enough to do. It means you're not filling your life with the exact purpose that God wants you to do. You're not engaged. You're not doing what God would have you to do. You've missed your mission. You've missed God's vision for your life. You've drifted from your purpose. And when you don't have that vision, you don't have that mission, you don't have that purpose, you know what happens? Sin begins to rush into your life. And it fills the vacuum that sin was never meant to fill. Sin fills a vacuum that's only supposed to be filled by God and God's purpose for our lives. You are unique. You have a special purpose. I've given you an acronym in your, in your bulletin. I, ho I hope you'll follow along and I hope this will help you see how uniquely you are designed. You're not an accident. God has shaped you in a certain way. The first one is... Spiritual gifts. S equals spiritual gifts. Peter writes in 1 Peter 4.10, Each of you should use whatever gift he has received to serve others. Each of you should use whatever gift he's been given to serve others. Listen, the gift you have is not given to you. The gift you have is given for you to use to bless other people. That's why God gave you that spiritual gift. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 14, 12, Since you are eager to have spiritual gifts, I make the assumption that you are eager to have spiritual gifts. Since you are eager to have spiritual gifts, try to excel in gifts that build up the church. Paul says that gift that you have, and everybody has a gift. Paul says in in this passage in Romans 12, verse 6, we have different gifts according to the grace given us. It doesn't say some of us have gifts. It says all of us have gifts. That gift that has been given to you is unique to you, and God wants you to use it for the benefit of others, not for the benefit of yourself. I guess it's like if I had the gift of preaching, and all I did was stand in front of the mirror and preach to myself, what purpose is that? And I don't do that, by the way. You know, I don't even listen to myself on tape uh, unless I'm looking for an error that I made. That serves no purpose whatsoever. And too many of us think that's why we have the gift is to bless us instead of bless the church. So ask the spiritual gifts. H is heart. What does your heart beat for? What are you passionate about? Maybe you have this, this passion for the poor. And your, your heart really aches to ministering to the people and poor. And, and that's what makes, that's, what, that's really what blesses you. That's really what, where you see God has uniquely gifted you. 
Maybe God has, has given you a love for senior adults. And, and that's, where you're, that's what you're passionate about. And, and you do that with all your heart. For some of you, maybe God has gifted you with kids. You just love kids. Yeah, you're like a kid magnet. And you just get around and they just, they just, they're drawn to you. And you find satisfaction. You find purpose in, in ministry to the kids. Maybe for others of you, it's studying and teaching God's Word. You just really feel like that, that's where your passion is and, and you're good at it and God has blessed you in that and given you that ability to do that. We all have those things. The question you ask yourself, what makes your heart beat fast? What are you passionate about? What is it that makes your, your heart beat? 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 13 says, Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? Who's going to harm you if you're eager to do good? Peter is saying that passage. He said, look, if you're passionate about something and your heart is, heart is, is good and, and you're trying to do what is good, what's going to stop you from doing it? If that's what you're passionate about, nobody's going to get in your way. You're going to do it with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind because that's what you're passionate about. Nobody's going to stop you from doing that if your heart is right. There's a great Old Testament story that illustrates this truth in the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah was a cupbearer in the king's court. In other words, he had the, the task <laughs> to check and see if the, the king's uh, cup was poison. I guess the way you find out if he died, yeah, don't drink that one. How would you like to have that job? Uh, how do you get that job? Is it the king's enemy list? <laughs> I'm not for sure how he got that, but this was a prestigious job. But Nehemiah became concerned about his hometown of Jerusalem. And he wept about Jerusalem. And his desire was to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the walls around the city of Jerusalem. That's what his heart was passionate about. And he says in Nehemiah 2.18, Then I told them about the desire God had put in my heart. God gave him a desire. God gave him a passion to accomplish this. Let me ask you a question. What can stop you when your heart beats fast for that thing that God is doing? What can stop you? Spiritual gifts. H is for heart. A is for ability. We all have a variety of abilities. That's also a gift from God. You know, some people think, well, I don't have any abilities. Well, you're wrong. You do have ab ability. They, th they believe they can't do anything, so therefore they don't have an ability. I remember years ago when I was a, a preteen, maybe 10, 11, somewhere in there, maybe 12, 13. I can't remember exactly. The buddies, all my buddies that lived in our neighborhood, we decided we wanted to build a hangout in my friend's backyard. And so uh, we, we designed this hangout as a place we could go and talk about sports, it's a place we could go and talk about girls. We didn't know anything about girls, but we at least could talk about them. Uh, you know, so we wanted to have a place just for us guys to go and hang out. And so we, we put everything together. We got all our wood. We got our, everything we was going to do, and we scrounged here and everything. And, and I learned something important that day. Me and building things do not go together. Uh, part, of that, part, of that, part of my brain does not function. Some people there sawed the wood. Other people got to nail the wood together. Other people created the plans to do it. I never got the saw. I never got the hammer. I never got to plan anything. What was my niche? I, I, I felt like I didn't have an ability. 
You know what I got to do? I got to lead the Bible study. That's what I did. I found my place. I found my purpose. I found my, my ability. Never got the saw, never got the hammer, never got the plan, but I got to do the Bible study. When we stayed over at nights, I'd do the Bible study for our group. You see, I found my place. I found that, that, that thing that God had for me. Some of you may look at yourself and say, you know, I haven't lived up to my potential. You look at your life and say, you know, I'm not really reaching the potential that God has for me. Let me tell you something, my friends. Your present condition is not an indication of potential, but of development. God is still developing you. I don't care how old you are, nine or ninety, it does not matter. God is still developing you. So don't get discouraged. Don't beat yourself up because you haven't maximized your potential. It may be that right now, where you are is not your full potential. But it may be this is as far as you have developed your potential. You know, I learned something the other day. That, that sometimes, even though you didn't get saw, hammer, and, and plan when you were younger, sometimes God lets you do some of those things as you get older. If, if Bob and Ken will let me have a hammer every now and then. Sometimes I, I, you can do that. Don't give up. Don't give up because you haven't experienced your potential yet. You haven't reached that where God has, has intended for you to be. Press on. Push forward. Acknowledge it before God and, and, and admit the truth. Hey, God, I haven't reached my potential yet, God. You know, I, have, I haven't developed it yet. But God, I am making a commitment, God. I, 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 am, I am here today to say, God, I want to work as hard as I can to reach my potential. Just admit it to Him. And then press forward to achieve that which God has called you to do. Spiritual gifts, heart, ability. P is for personality. Yes, all of you have a personality. Every one of you. Don't look at the person next to you and say, you don't have one. Everybody has a personality, okay? Uh, there's a great psalm, Psalm 139, that talks about how God was intimately involved in creating you. God designed you. All those little quirks, all those little personality traits and flaws and, and things about you, God was shaping you in your life. God has given you this personality. He's given you this life. And some of you are introverts. Others of you are extroverts. You don't have to look at one another. You know who you are. We do too. We know who you are. That's the way God has, has made you. Some of you are that type A, choleric, driven, heart attack, waiting to happen personality. You know who they are? They always have an agenda. They always have something that has to get done. So God, this, 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 this. I mean, uh, you just keep... Uh, they've always got to be working and doing something. Then others are that, that phlegmatic type personality, you know, everything will be fine, don't worry about it, don't sweat the stuff, it'll get done. It'll get done. And then you have those, those people that are sparky sanguine, you know, all the, something's got to get done, I didn't know we were doing anything, I'm just happy to be here. <laughs> but listen, God's the way God made you. God created you unique, and that's who you are. You might be the party waiting to happen. Or you might be that person, it's got to get done, it's got to get done. Oh, you know, it'll be all right. It'll get done in time. That's the way God made you. 
You are unique. You're special. So spiritual gifts, heart, ability, personality, finally, experiences. God has allowed you to have experiences in your life that no one else has had. Some of those experiences have been wonderful. Some of them have been terrible. Some of them have been encouraging. Some of them have been discouraging. Some of them beat, them, beat you down. Some of them lift you up. They're your experiences, and they are unique to your life. Years ago, I joined the Navy. Now, I know now, in retrospect, that was not God's plan for my life. But He allowed me to do it. I am proud of my time as a veteran. What, you know, I'm proud of that. But I'm not proud of some of the things I did while I was in the military. I'm not proud of those things. But here's the thing. God has taken all those experiences, the good and the bad, and He's used them for His glory. And He's used them for His honor. It's part of who I am as an individual. I can't separate myself from those things. It has helped shape me to be the person that I am today. And God will do the same thing with your experiences. Whether good or bad, God can use those experiences. Those experiences are what make you the person that you are today. They don't take away from your life. They add to your life. And you, when you take all those experiences that you have and you've turned them over to God, God will use them for His glory. Just tell, say, God, I want to give you all my experiences. God, all my past, all my, 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 my failures, all my successes. And God, I want to give them all to you so that you can use them today in your kingdom's work. Say, so here it is, God, warts and all, I'm giving it to you. And God will take that and He will use that for His good and for His glory. All things work for the good of those who are called according to His purpose. That's what God says. He can use those things. God will use whatever experience that you give to Him to accomplish what He desires. Why? Because that's your shape. That's who you are. That's the way you've been shaped by God and by life. God has entrusted you with this life, and He wants you to use your shape for His glory and for His honor. If you would take what God has given you, just honestly give it to Him and say, God, help me to fulfill my potential, God will do it. And it's amazing what God can do when you give it all to Him. It's amazing how God will begin to impact people around you because you've made yourself available to God. It's important to understand that God expects us to deliver on the gift He has given. Hear me on this. God has given us a gift, and God expects us to deliver on that gift. There's a story revealed in Matthew chapter 25, and that story is also revealed in Luke chapter 19. The stories are different. It's the same story, but they have some different nuances about them, some different things. And because there's some differences in those two stories, it has led some people to doubt that the stories are real. 
that the stories are genuine. Let me ask you a question. Anybody here like to tell stories? You don't have to raise your hand. Like to tell stories? You ever told the story exactly the same way every time you tell it? Of course not. It changes with the audience. It changes with, with the time. Uh, maybe you embellish it some here, you don't embellish it over here. I think that's what's happening in this story. I think Jesus told this story one time to one group of people. He told it to another group of people with a different audience at another time. That's why the stories are a little bit different. So, so, so we need to understand the importance that God places on our life and how He measures our life. And we need to look at these stories that, that He has because someday we will stand before God. And we'll have to give account for how we used what God had given to us. Let me tell you the story as according to Matthew chapter 25. The story says that there was a man who owned a field, a vineyard, and he was going away from the vineyard and he entrusted to each one of his workers talents, gifts, resources. To one he gave five, to one he gave two, and to another he gave one. And he said, use these and I will be back. The gifts did not belong, the talents did not belong to the workers. They belonged to the owner of everything. But he gave it to them for them to use for his honor and for his glory. So he goes away and then he comes back. And the story says he comes back to the individual that he had given five talents. And the individual says, here's your five talents plus five more that I have earned while you were gone. And the passage says, in, in, a, in a paraphrase, it says, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in some small things. Now I'm going to give you greater things. Let's pause right there. This might be one of those passages that tells us that, you know, some of, oh, we don't sweat the small things. Maybe we should sweat the small things. Jesus was concerned about the small things. He said, you've been faithful in small things, in little things. Now I'm going to give you greater things. Maybe we need to rethink the small things according to God's Word. Because God's Word says He honors our faithfulness to small things. That's the way our children learn, isn't it? Well, when my children were younger, and we would teach them teach them to do this, and when you do this, you do it right, the small thing, then I'll give you greater responsibility. Prove to me that you can do this, then I will give to you greater responsibility. You know, so not only does he say, say you know, I'm going to give you more, he later on says, come and share your master's happiness. Isn't that a wonderful benefit? Not only does, does he get to enjoy greater things, but he gets to enjoy an intimacy with the master that he did not have before. Why? Because of his faithfulness with what the master had given to him. What a wonderful benefit. He gets, he gets credited for doing more, and then he gets to enjoy an intimacy that he never experienced before in his life. So then the master comes to the individual that got the two talents, and the same exact thing happens. Here's your two, and I earn two more. And he gets the exact same reward, the exact same praise, and perhaps the, the truth of the story is there. It's not on how much you have, but what you do with what God has given you. You see, that's what God rewards. 
He rewards. How did you use what I gave you for your kingdom? He got the exact same reward as the person that got five. And then he comes to the third servant in the story. The third servant comes in and says, you know, he didn't quite understand the master. He didn't quite understand what, what the owner is wanting. He says, well, here's your, your one talent that you gave me and I'm giving it back to you. Okay, not a very good showing. You know, he could have at least taken it to the bank and earned some interest. But you know, I'm kind of thinking, so, well, you know, at least he didn't waste it. At least he didn't squander it. You know, uh, you know kind of that, that was no harm, no foul. You know, at least he gave it back. But if you remember the story, the master's response is shocking. He calls him lazy. Lazy, you lazy servant. Okay, I get that. Okay, he's lazy. Makes sense to me. You know, he didn't use it. He didn't invest it. You know, he didn't do anything with it. I can see that he was lazy. But it's the next response that gets me. Not only to say, are you lazy? He said, but you are wicked. Whoa, that one caught me by surprise. I didn't see that one coming. I caught the lazy. I can understand it. But wicked, I mean, it's, I don't understand that because, you know, he didn't go out and waste it on wine, women, and song. He didn't, he didn't hire a prostitute. He didn't go out gambling. He, he didn't do any of, of those things. But he calls him wicked. Why does he call him wicked? Maybe the master measures how we utilize our resources differently than we think. Maybe he looks at things differently than we do. Maybe he measures how we handle our life how we live our lives, how we fulfill our God-given purpose. Maybe it's different than what we were led to believe when we consider the way He honors these individuals. What have we been led to believe as followers of Christ? What have we been led to believe as Christians? We've been led to believe as long as I don't do certain things, I'm okay. As long as I observe the Ten Commandments and I don't break the Ten Commandments, then I'm okay. We, we measure holiness by what we don't do. Look, and maybe it's keeping the Ten Commandments. Look, if that's the only way we're going to measure holiness, may I submit to you that a tree can be holy. Because there's not one tree in the world that has ever done anything against God's will. Not one tree. Maybe God measures holiness differently than what we've been led to believe in our own life. Holiness is more than, than, than doing what is not evil. Yes, there are some things we should avoid. I just preached a series of sermons on those. You can go back and look them up. There are certain things we should avoid, but there's also certain things we should do with what God has given us. When your life is called into account, when you stand before the Lord, you're going to have to give an account to what you did with what He gave you. How did you utilize what God gave to you? God called this man lazy and He called him wicked. God says, if you do not fulfill the divine potential that I have poured into your life, 
it is wicked. It's not enough to avoid certain things. It's not enough to eliminate certain things. You have to engage the world. You have to live out your purpose that God has given you. You have to make a difference in this world where God has placed you. You must invest your life and serve and give and pour yourself out to other individuals. And if you will be faithful in doing that, God says you'll be given more. You'll be given more than you imagined. But not only does he say you're lazy and you're wicked, what else does he say? He says, take the one who has the one and give to the one who has ten. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. What do you mean? The guy that has one gift, God's going to take that away from him and give it to somebody that has more? Yeah, that's what the scripture says. Here's what he's meaning by that. He says that if you don't use the gift that God has given to you, you don't use the talent that God has given to you, you're going to live a wasted life, you're going to live a wicked life, and your life will amount to nothing. That's what he's saying. Your life will amount to nothing. It will be a wasted life. If you don't use the potential of your life for the kingdom of God, if you don't invest in the kingdom of God, if you don't serve in the kingdom of God, if you don't make a difference, then no matter what you have, how little you think it is, it will end up nothing. You will have nothing. Zilch, nada, zero. You won't have anything. Listen, God has gifted you. He's made you a superhero. It may not be the flash, but he's made you a superhero. He's uniquely shaped you. He's uniquely gifted you. You are super unique. And he's invited you to be a part of this great adventure that we're in. This thing we call life, this thing we call Christianity. He's invited you to invest in it. And God expects you to, to use your shape to make a difference in this world. And if you say no to God, if you say, no, I'm not going to serve. No, I'm not going to be faithful. No, I'm not going to do that. It's wicked. It's wicked. And you've wasted your life. And it's wicked to waste your life. And amazingly, if you are faithful, if you do what God has empowered you to do, what God has shaped you to do, then you'll receive the blessings of life. Some of you look at other people. You look at other people in the church or other people in other place and, and you say, how did they get that job? How did they get that ministry? How did they get that position? How did they get to go on that trip? How did they get this in their life? I'm going to give you the answer. It's pretty difficult, so follow along with me. Here's the answer. Faithful, 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 more faithful, 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 and more faithful. That's how they got it. It's not rocket science. It's not brain surgery. It's real simple. Just be faithful to what God has given you. And if, and, and if, and if, if they've done that, they are entrusted with more. And then they're able to do, to do what God, they would never do if they had not been faithful in the small things. But as they're faithful in the small things, God gives them greater things to do. Has any one of you thought about this sermon today and you've kind of looked at your shape <laughs> and you said, man, I need to step it up. 
I need to step it up. I need to live up the potential that God has placed in my life. Because one day you are going to stand before God. One day you're going to stand before Him. He's going to ask Him, what did you do with what I gave you? What did you do? Are you going to be embarrassed? Of course, the fact of the matter is we could probably never do enough to pay back what He's done. But one day you're going to stand before Him. I don't know about y'all. I need to step it up. I need to step it up. I need to do more. I need to be more faithful, more dedicated, more committed. I need to step it up. Now, perhaps you're like me, and you feel the same way. So what we're going to do, we're going to give you a chance to respond. We're going to have a time of prayer. We're going to pray that God will help us to step up. Listen, not only step up as individuals, but step up as a church. You know, I want this church to live up to its potential. Amen? Amen. I want the best days of this church to be those that are ahead of us, not those that lie behind us. Listen, if all you're celebrating is the past, you might as well go home to Jesus today. You know why I say that? Because you're still alive, you're still kicking, you're still breathing. That means God's not done with you yet. And I'm going to tell you something, my friends. God is not done with Western Heights yet. And if you think He is, then you need to find another church. Point blank. You need to find another church. So God's not through with us yet. But the only way we are going to accomplish what God has planned for us is if we all step up to the God-given potential that God has shaped us with. So maybe that's you this morning. And you say, you know, God, I need to step up. That's God's invitation to you. You don't have to come forward and talk to me. You don't have to come forward and talk to Josh or, or talk to Marcy. Maybe you do. Maybe you want to do that and say, hey, I need you to hold me accountable to this. But right where you're at, to say, God, I want to live up to my shape. I know, God, you've given me some spiritual gifts. I know you've given me a passion, a heart for something. God, I know you've given me some abilities. God, I know that I have a personality. As quirky as it is, God, you gave it to me. And God, I know that I have experiences nobody else has. God, would you take my shape and use it for your glory? I give it to you, God. Then you receive the applause of heaven. Well done. Well done. Now, let's get you plugged in. Would you stand with me?